podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I am your host, Philip Slaver. Thank you for joining me. And I say me as well as my good friends today, Andy Mitz, Jamie Steyer, my semi-sometimes co-host back on the show. It's been a while since the three of us have been together. Uh, it's so nice to be uh, together again uh, for the first time since I went on paternity leave. We've all had quite a bit going on. Uh, Andy, I think you're fully recovered from COVID now. Jamie, you and your fiance just moved. And I have a baby in the house who, at some point in this episode, because she has made an appearance in every one, will cry and people will be able to hear it. So I know you guys hear it. Thank you for not complaining or commenting about it. Uh, I, I, you don't comment or complain about anything, so that's fine, too. Uh, but guys, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, uh, I was saying before we started recording, we completely avoided the two of us any of the uh, damage from the Derrico that just went through a lot of Iowa, and uh, we got moved, and my fiance started his job. So pretty much as well as I could be doing, uh, especially considering today's news. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I know the, I'm always weird on podcasts. Like, do people like personal stuff? Do people? I know people who hate personal stuff on podcasts. <laughs> I also know people who like spend way too much time on like random th- things and like personal. About like, thirty I, but, seconds but, is as much as I can be interesting for. So, I think uh, it depends on who's doing it because <laughs> I can tell you right now, there's one podcast where that's like half the podcast is them just going off on random tangents, and it works in the right setting. But in general, yeah, if you're going to listen about sports, you want to hear about sports. So let's get to sports. Now, obviously, we are here today uh, to talk about the Big 12's new 2020 season schedule uh, and the non-conference games that we know so far. Uh, We know most of them. There's a couple that haven't been announced, but we're That's what's going to be. And some that we just have no idea what's going to happen at this point. Now, before we get to the schedule, allow me a moment, because I've had a lot of thoughts flowing through my head over the past 24 to 48 hours as we all have so let's just start with this 
Before we dive into this, let's just face the reality that, hooray, it's a happy day. <laughs> um, there is a very good chance we are going to have college football this fall. From the Big 12, the ACC, the SEC, and whichever G5 uh, conferences stick around, still waiting for official word from Conference USA. And I know that right now it's a lot of fun to just pile dog shit on top of the Big Ten and the Pac-12. And don't get me wrong, normally, just NSFW earmuffs, kids, Pac-12 is the Big Ten's bitch, and we've learned that. <laughs> if we didn't know that already, we absolutely know that now. They will do, they are the uh, the henchman to the bad guy. You know, if it's the bully from like the 80s movie, and there's always like the bad guy, and there's the guy who no one would give a crap about if he wasn't the little pushover <laughs> that comes along with him. Look, That's the Pac-12 is the, uh, is the Smee to the Big Ten's Captain Hook. Oh, uh, I was also going to go, um, That's a deep cut. who was, who was the, the henchman for, uh, Gaston that, that one works too. Ooh, that's oh, yeah, a yeah. I, I know who you're oh talking about, but I don't remember his name. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, it's Le, 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 Fleur. Le, Le, Le Fleur. It's, it's basically like fool in French. I think uh, is his name. Would you uh, say that they're the minion to their, uh, Gru from Despicable Me? No, cause that's insulting the minion. <laughs> I would rather watch the movie Minions than watch a lot of Pac-12 games. Okay, uh, enough piling on the Pac-12. So I want to say this. Uh, there is plenty of reason to dogpile on the Big Ten's handling of this entire situation. I, everything new that comes out is just like, what on earth have you been doing? But all of that aside, I know it's fun to be excited about the Big 12 playing football. And I know it's fun to dogpile on the Big Ten. But right now, we don't actually know who's made the right decision yet. So let's all just keep a little bit of, uh, of realism and baited optimism about everything. Because it is August 12th. Mm -hmm. The season is not going to start for a month. Okay. I will be all bought in when the season officially kicks off. The first time someone kicks a football and a game begins... I will be all in. I will let all of my hopes just relax and I will feel good. So let's all just enjoy this moment, but enjoy it with a little bit of understanding that we ain't there yet, folks. Okay? I say all that to say we don't know who's done it the right way. They're not going to play football in spring, but I'm not going to get into that because I'm not an expert. Do <laughs> us a favor. If you want the season to happen as badly as we all do, okay, as badly as we all do, wear a damn mask. Okay? Just do it. Just wear your damn mask. Wear Amen. it. I, I don't want to hear from people who are like, I understand that men are like upset about, oh, it just makes them feel weak. I have a mask with dinosaurs. Do you know why I have a mask with dinosaurs? Because if I'm going to have to wear the damn thing, let's have some fun with it. I have an Oklahoma State mask that has Pistol Pete's mustache on it. It's very similar to the one that Ricky Fowler has been wearing on the tour. Okay? Don't give me your faux macho nonsense about you can't wear a mask because it makes you look weak or whatever nonsense. Okay, we get it. You have some internal issues inside of you uh, mentally and emotionally. Dude, work on that. Talk to yourself in the mirror, whatever you got to do, but wear the damn mask. Stop trying to act like you're smarter than everybody else. The smartest person in the room tends to never be the person who thinks they're the smartest person in the room. So now that I've gotten that out of the way, let's talk about this schedule because this is a great day. It's a day to celebrate. We're going to have college football. That's how we're going to talk for the rest of this way. Um, I hope, I just, I don't know how many games we're going to get, but let's just look at what we have here. So the schedule is out. Let's run through the, uh, through the non-conference ones first here. Who do we have right now? So 
Oklahoma playing Missouri State on September 12th. Everyone's trying to get their non-conference game on September 12th, so they have a, a week off before conference play starts. We knew Oklahoma was going to play Missouri State. That's what everybody said. We've talked about this on our prediction episode with me and Andy. OU wants this game. It's their pay-per-view game. They are literally going to spend the money to make sure that Missouri State can test properly. Missouri State is going to practice for six weeks just to show up in Norman and get their asses handed to them, as well as a check, a very nice check. But that is what's going to happen I'm fine with it. I understand it. OU is going to sell this game on pay-per-view or Sooner TV or Sooner.TV or whatever they're going to do because it's their, their third tier right stuff. And they're going to make a pretty penny and whatever. Thoughts on OU? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, it's not going to be anything spectacular to watch and I'm not going to watch it because I'm not paying for pay-per-view to watch it. But uh, Oh yeah, no. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be tuned in to see whether they win by 50 or they win by 70. I'll tune in out. as in watching the game cast the next day or nah, recapping nah, just, it. ESPN will alert me through the app. We'll be fine. Uh, yeah, other FCS too. games we know of thus far, Western uh, West Virginia sticking with their game against Eastern Kentucky. Makes a lot of sense. It was already on the schedule. It was on that date. Might as well keep it. TCU, uh, not playing SMU. Uh, they have scheduled a game against Tennessee Tech, which I believe is actually like Gary Patterson's like a, he used to coach there. He's an alum or something. I think I have that right. I think I saw that, but you shouldn't read, agree or believe everything you read on Twitter. Anyways, FCS game, Tennessee Tech. Okay, whatever. Uh, Texas Tech getting Houston Baptist. Whoopee. Um, I think that's all the FCS. So OU, Missouri State, West Virginia, TCU, Texas Tech. The only ones with FCS games that we know of so far. Um, the other one that we believe will have an FCS team is Kansas. It has been now been official that they will not play Southern Illinois. Um, Andy, I want you to kind of, this is your area. What do you know at this point as far as Kansas filling their non-conference schedule spot? Yeah, so I'm not usually big on trying to like break news or anything like that. Or I mean, I have a couple people that I talk to that kind of have their ear to the ground a little bit, but nothing, um, well, from everything I'm hearing at this point, they have an opponent identified. They have not really released who it is yet at this point, uh, but they actually have someone else on backup. The, idea, the, the, the issue that they were having is they want to do theirs on the 12th when everyone else is doing it. Um, and like theoretically they want, they want one that they can actually go ahead and win. <laughs> um, but they want to try to do a regional opponent as well. So it's kind of the whole, you know, that, that trifecta there of finding someone who has an open date on the 12th, who is at least a, a reasonable expectation that KU is going to win that game and get their season started off right. And is in the general vicinity. It's taking a little bit longer than they were expecting to actually find one. Um, but it's my understanding that they actually have one identified. They're in the process of finalizing the contract now. And ideally, we're going to hear it, uh, hear who it is probably by the end of the day, tomorrow being Thursday. Um, but if not, it should be Friday morning that we find out. Okay. So we'll find out from Kansas. Do you have FCS most likely, we're going to guess? Um, I, I'm guessing it's going to be FCS um, just because, yeah, I mean, the only other – the problem is that there's really not a lot of local schools um, yeah. that, that aren't FCS or Division II. And, and since most of Division II is shut down at this point too, it's not likely that they're going to get someone from there. Okay, so we're waiting on Kansas. We think likely FCS. We'll see what happens. Uh, okay, now we get to the G5 teams. Uh, Oklahoma State playing Tulsa. That game was already on the schedule for the 12th. That's pretty much what everyone thought was going to happen. That is what has stuck. Uh, Kansas State announcing what, at this point, or what this morning when uh, when, we, when we kind of found out it was official, was the, I thought was the best 
non-conference game. Kansas State going to welcome Arkansas State uh, into Manhattan. I like that game. I live in Arkansas. For those of you who listen to the pod but don't seem to know that already, uh, I have to live in this state. Uh, Arkansas State's just up the road. It's a neat school. Blake Anderson, head coach, great guy. Uh, I like this for them. That's kind of fun. So that's a nice one. That one got trumped this evening uh, by Iowa State, who has decided to add the Billy Napier-led Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, which... I don't want to like make fun of their like team name because it's so awesome, but it will never not sound like a venereal disease, a raging Cajun. But it's <laughs> such a good like team nickname, and I appreciate anyone who uses a, a name that's not just like the Bulldogs or something along that line. Also, shout out Tulane Green Wave. Who doesn't like? Come on, I love the creativity. All right, uh, Iowa State, Ugh. Jamie. I love to see them scheduling a, a good non-conference team. Okay, right. Um, Louisiana coming off a, a, an 11-3 season. Uh, Napier, uh, the, the head coach, is a guy that everyone's like, he's he's going to be in a, in a marquee job sometime fairly soon. Um, I'm shocked no one hired him already, but whatever. But Iowa State is not exactly a team that comes out of the gate strong um, with Matt Campbell. Um, when you look at last year, they haven't beaten Iowa yet. They've struggled with some FCS teams. It's putting it mildly. (laughs) Like, I love it from just like a football standpoint and watching the game. I don't love it from an Iowa State standpoint. I love it. Throw into that. But oh my gosh. What? And we'll get into the conference schedule a bit more, but Iowa State has now set them up to start their schedule with Louisiana at TCU, Oklahoma. I don't feel like they did themselves any favors with this game. No, <laughs> not at all. It's, I mean, okay. So to be fair, like everyone's in a similar boat of if you're like opening games are getting canceled, then you kind of have to like make the moves that you are capable of making. But uh, that's a really wild one. Like it's just, Oh man, it's it's like you said, like not exactly historically coming out of the gate extremely strong. Uh, and then you're just dealing with, I mean, all the other craziness, obviously so with Louisiana, but I I really don't know. I'll be I'll be very intrigued to see what happens. Um the opening of their season went from looking like a really, really, really good way to get out of their kind of early season slump to uh you better be ready like the second that you step on the field because i know that louisiana's like projected i believe like far and away first in their league like depending on how they handle rankings they very realistically could be ranked based on some uh, speculation hopping around in my group chats today like considering how many teams won't be playing but i don't know it's it's wild um I love the confidence of it that we're just, and you know what, we'll just, we'll just play whoever, you know, we can do it. We'll figure it out. Uh, but I'll feel a lot better once the game's over and there's a W in the column. Yeah, it's, no, I, I agree. I'll just say it's not even a situation where it's like the first game for both of these teams because Louisiana will open up against McNeese uh, the week before. So they'll kind of already have the rush shaken off them. Um, you know, the only, the only thing I will say is that it's not Iowa 
and it's not an FCS opponent. So Iowa State usually does pretty good in those games that aren't one of those two. So, I mean, I, I'm having a hard time feeling too sorry for them. It's definitely going to be the biggest challenge. I think the Big 12 is going to go through in the non-conference. Um, but it's also kind of one of those things, like if, if Iowa State is as good as some people think that they're supposed to be this year, then they honestly shouldn't really have a lot of troubles with this game. It's going to be, I think, similar to last year where, you know, if they struggle against teams that they're not supposed to struggle against, people are going to wonder if it's going to turn out like last year where they're going to struggle throughout the conference season and have problems where, again, you don't think that they necessarily should. It's not official yet, um, but as we understand, Texas is going to play UTEP. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what's holding that up at the moment, uh, that announcement. That might be the fact that the Conference USA is still considering some things this week as to whether or not they might actually play. Uh, but Texas is going to play UTEP unless Conference USA cancels their season. Um, that is what I understand. So the only other one that hasn't announced that we have zero ideas about is Baylor. Mm-hmm. Now they had Incarnate Word on the schedule and they have, uh, I I believe, man, I can't even think of it anymore because you can't find anything anywhere because all the old schedules are gone. Hold up. Uh, they had... Louisiana Tech. Uh, and so the question does becomes, does Louisiana Tech just go ahead and, and move up to fill that hole for them? Um, I would argue that if Louisiana Tech does become their non-conference game, that that becomes the best uh, of the non-con games for the Big 12 this year, is if they keep Louisiana Tech, who is a solid uh, program at a conference USA. I mean, I, I think there's definitely an argument there. Um, I, I don't I don't follow either of those teams well enough to know what the comparative strengths of them are, but from everything I've seen, they're they're ranked in very similar situations. I think Louisiana Tech is more of a name just because they have jumped up and bitten, you know, some of the higher level conference teams or gotten close um, in recent years. But you know, I always remember Louisiana because of the nickname, like you kind of said. Um, and so, like, I, that, you know, unfortunately, name recognition doesn't necessarily help determine how good a team is. Um, and so I'm not really sure which one would be better. But I do think it would definitely be a game that would be worth watching um, if we end up seeing it. Because it's going to give us a very strong indication of how good Baylor is going to be early in the year uh, when they're playing some of their games that might not necessarily be the most winnable. Um, you know, like games against against Kansas, um, like that's one that a lot of people are thinking could potentially be an upset. And if it's the very first conference game and they don't look very good in that first game against Louisiana Tech, if that's who it is, um, then I think you're going to see a lot more people kind of wondering, you know, how long is it going to take for Baylor to kind of spiral out of control in a shortened offseason when they're trying to get everything figured out. So it's going to be a big game for them, no matter who it is, because they need to get off to a good start to keep people from doubting what they can actually do. Yeah, I'd say there's a lot to be said for having like a measuring stick early on in the season and considering that we're hopping from one non-con into the conference right away, you know, that your really best chance to be able to judge that before you're kind of thrown into the flames is to have a halfway decent non-conference game. So I'm, I'm with you. I'd love to see it. So two things, quick update, uh, as our recording, Texas, it is official, Texas is playing UTEP on September 12th, so we have that one now. Um, that, I don't care that there are FCS teams on the schedule, that is the worst non-conference game of the Big 12, UTEP, UTEP is 
hot garbage. <laughs> it is cold garbage. It is cold, not even smoldering. Like the fire went out a long time ago. It's just cold, stinky trash. Tell us how you um, really feel. Yeah. By the way, Louisiana Tech went nine and three last year. You might remember them from one particular game in which the bowl game and the Independence Bowl in which they beat Miami, that is Miami of Florida, not Miami of Ohio, 14 to nothing. So there's something there. That's the <laughs> there's something there. They ain't, well, they ain't yeah. They ain't terrible. It's um, Miami though. Come on. <laughs> I I'm just I'm just saying they shut out Miami. Um I know Miami's offense is bad, but yeah. So uh only ones we haven't seen official yet. Uh, now our Baylor and Kansas, obviously, we will uh, should hear something, I assume, from those fairly early. Um, so let's talk about conference schedules. I assume you guys have had a chance to kind of look them over. Um, do you have any just initial thoughts, or is there a team whose schedule you look at and say, oh my? Um, they're all very different than they were. Uh, I think some teams got gypped. Kansas State's old schedule was much much, much nicer than it is now. Kansas State having to go on the road to Oklahoma to open conference play. Um, what do you guys, did you, and Andy, let me take you this first. Just looking at the schedule, what are just some early initial thoughts you have from looking over today? Yeah, I mean, you know, like the that, that TCU-Iowa State game kind of intrigues me because both of those teams are supposed to, they're both like being expected to take a step forward this this season. Um, and so I'm very interested to see with TCU hosting that game. It's going to be a big test for both of those teams. Um, but like Iowa State, yeah, does not have a very good slate, um, you know, especially early. The the one thing I would say for Iowa State, though, is that, you know, you go into the rest of the season and like the games that you that you think they could potentially have, you know, the ones that could be tricky games are all coming right after a bye. Mm-hmm. So assuming that COVID doesn't mess with them, or mess with their opponents, they at least have the the benefit of having a bye right before what's probably their their most difficult key games of the season. Yeah, you know the bye weeks are really interesting. Um, in some cases, I think they benefit teams. In some cases, I think they don't. For instance, um, Oklahoma State is one of the few teams that does not have to play road games in consecutive weeks. Both of their back to back road games are split up by. They're off weeks. Uh, Texas Tech has to, I mean, we can go through this. Baylor has back-to-back road games at Iowa State at Texas Tech uh, in November. Iowa State has to go to Oklahoma State and then Kansas. Uh, Kansas goes to West Virginia and then Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State in late November goes to Iowa State and then Baylor. OU gets Texas or TCU Texas Tech in simultaneous weeks. Um, the only other ones that I can find it, TCU does not have two straight weeks of road games. Uh, Texas does not have two straight weeks of road games um and it looks like west virginia does not either but everyone else a lot of teams have back-to-back i think that's interesting and it's a benefit to teams who who yes you may no texas tech does they do they have to go to kansas state and iowa state uh, back-to-back early in the season yikes texas tech schedule yeah yeah but but, but oklahoma coming come on at tcu and then at texas tech then that might as well not really count and it's (laughs) But Oklahoma's schedule is, so they get Kansas State at home. That's a revenge game. They're going to be amped for that. Then they go to Iowa State. Then they get Texas at the Cotton Bowl. Off week, road game, road game. So OU will open at home against Missouri State, open conference play at home against Kansas State, and then will not play another home game. They will go from November or September 26th all the way down to November 7th when they welcome Kansas to Norman. 
they will not play a home game in the month of October. I don't know that I can complain too much about that, though. <laughs> I mean, I know I like I get it. It's Oklahoma, but like it's just it's very it's really interesting. Um, where I started trying to look for trap games in this situation, I'll ask you guys about that. Is situations where one team is coming off of an a bye week or an off week, and one team is not. Um, I've poured over Oklahoma State, so I'm going to use an example. For instance, um, Oklahoma State gets to have Iowa State in Stillwater, uh, but they're going to go to Baylor and then play Iowa State the following week. Iowa State will be coming off of an off week when they head into Stillwater. That's where I think when you're looking for trap games this season, that's the kind of stuff where I look at it and go, "That's gonna." I think that's going to be hard. Now, I understand a lot of these idle weeks are built in as so you can move games around and get flexibility, but usually they try and match idle weeks up as much as they can. And a lot of them are. Uh, but those situations, especially in a year like this, where it's just going to be weird, and I think this season's going to be weird, like those to me are where you're going to look for trap games the most in the schedule. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be, you know, I, I get the feeling that there's going to be at least one game that's going to be heavily affected by COVID. Yeah. Um, and so well, like, canceled. I like, would it's just going to happen. Like, I would assume that the, the, the actual goal here was to make sure that, you know, as many, as many teams that are going to have early games that they are going to, you know, then have similar openings later in the schedule. So if they need to reschedule them, they, they possibly can. Um, and so like that, I think was more the concern was to give themselves as many possibilities. So like if, you know, if say in week two, Oklahoma, Iowa State has to get postponed because of COVID. Well, you know, they're, they're, they both have the same off days for the rest of the mm-hmm. season. And so there's now two spots for them to try to reschedule that game two instead of just one. Um, and so, like, I think that's mm-hmm. what they're going to be more concerned about um, is trying to kind of get those games to match up. Because, like, Kansas and Oklahoma State, you know, it's a similar situation for them. The early games, they have the the exact same off dates for the rest of the, of the season. And so I think that was more the goal. Um, and yeah, it makes some really weird scheduling, you know, quirks. But I, I also don't think, um, you know, that for the most part, like they set themselves up to too many disadvantages. I'm having a hard time finding one where, you know, the team that had the buy in the previous week is also the home team. In most of those cases, they're the they're they're the team on the road, so they'll have the buy the week before to kind of help them out there. But then they go on the road, and and so that I think will at least help mitigate some of those circumstances a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that obviously will completely do away with it, but by setting it up that way, so that way, you know, like, because you're going to have some benefit of being at home, even though, you know, I, I, we're still not sure what the fan situation is going to be like, um, you know, but being able to stay at home, even if you're playing a back-to-back game where the other team, you know, has had kind of that extra time off, doesn't harm you as much if you are at home. And so that looks to be what they've done there. And so like, I, I don't know that you can really complain about it too much. I don't. I'm not necessarily complaining. I don't. I'm not going to complain about a schedule right now. Well, like, <laughs> like I, I'm just saying in general. Any, I don't I think any it. of the yeah. teams can look at it and say, "Oh man, they really got us with the schedule." Because, you know, you're going to get the advantage of playing at home if they had a bye week and you didn't. I think that a big advantage is going to go to the most disciplined of the teams as well. Just because, I mean, you can look at it as, in theory, they're going to have to be very intentional, very specific about their travel procedures, about, you know, I mean, in my mind, when you're going to a game, you shouldn't be leaving the hotel unless you're going to 
um, you know, like a practice, whatever. Um, but some teams are probably not going to be as good at controlling their people and making sure that they're kind of under wraps and the states are at such different points and like their response right now and the way things work like Iowa everything's just flat out open and so I mean you send someone here and if you don't have people as well under wraps you know they can just kind of walk out and go grab something to eat down the street and I'm not saying that I have like a team where I'm saying oh well they have no discipline there so it doesn't matter but I will say that when you have people who have several road games in a row when you have people who if they don't have as good a discipline like for me even more than like the schedule you know the way that it's lined up and just thinking about those kind of things that you really truly can't account for until something happens I think that that's like I don't know you can't account for it like I said but that's what I'll be the most interested to see of like okay if something weird happens, what's the story behind it? Like when all those rumors came out of the Cardinals going to a casino or something that didn't end up being true. But I don't know. I just know like the way that college athletes tend to behave and how well they tend to follow the rules. Yeah, I, I think honestly, actually, I'm more concerned about the home team than I am about the away team. Because when you're out on a road trip, there's tons of team rules like Guys can get in trouble for, you know, being out a minute past curfew and end up not playing in a game. I think it's going to be a whole lot easier when you're out on the road where you can somewhat control the environment a little bit better because you're going into hostile territory and you don't want them going out and getting in trouble. Like, it's going to be a lot easier, I think, to kind of enforce that stuff when you're on the road. When you're at home where guys are going to their own apartments or going to, you know, wherever they normally live, going to be seeing all their friends, like, going to have all of that around them where it's a lot easier for them to kind of slip off. You're not usually watching people as intently when you're at home. But like, I think that's where we're kind of probably going to see the first big slip up is that some team is going to be less disciplined at home. It's going to run into an issue. Um, you know, like, I think it's going to be a whole lot easier to control the road environment than it is the home environment, which seems a little strange this year because, you know, your university obviously isn't in, in control of your own, or I'm sorry, of, of the opponent's facilities or anything like that. But um, you know, they already kind of have that system set up in college where you can get suspended for violating team rules. It's a lot harder to set up the kind of rule structure in the professional leagues as you can do in the, you know, in the, uh, in the, the college leagues. And so, you know, I mean, also it's, it's a whole lot easier to discipline someone for stepping out of line from those types of rules, not having to deal with the unions or things like that. So I actually think that college is in a better situation, especially on the road to really set themselves up to avoid having big issues. Uh, we'll just see how well they're able to be disciplined when there's not those tight restrictions and not and, and everybody's not traveling together. I kind of derailed our conversation, but you had a really good point. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, home is going to be just as big, if not bigger of an issue, especially this year. Kind of wild. Mm -hmm. To be yeah. honest, I don't, I mean... I, I'm I'm actually liking the way that they well liking in terms of wanting to get the full season in the fact that they put uh, the Cotton Bowl still you know the the Red River rivalry still on ten ten with a bye week right after it you know if 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 they get to Dallas and both of these teams get a little too lax and something happens they have two weeks to try to really quarantine the situation oh, yeah. and before they throw the rest of them back in so I I do think that one was intentional just because that is at a neutral location and you don't really know what's going to happen there, especially if they decide to let fans there. Um, you know, I'll be really interested to see what the fan situation is for a lot of these games. 
Um, I mean, because, Jamie, you were saying previously, and I don't think it's changed at all, like, Iowa State's still planning on 50% capacity. Kansas has been talking about how they're planning on having fans at the first game, at least, and they're kind of evaluating, moving on from there, who they're going to have. So I'll be interested to see what the fan situations are going to look like for all the different teams and, and for all these different games. A few have announced that I know Oklahoma's going to do 25% capacity. I, I'm still a... Uh, un, unless, like, I'm still kind of like you. Really, probably just shouldn't have fans in the stands. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I would be really curious to know if there is any data that anybody has put together as far as does having fans in the stands increase the risk of games being canceled or delayed? And if there's even a ten percent chance that a game could have to get canceled because we put fans in the stands, I don't, I don't. What's more important? making the money off ticket sales or playing the game for your TV revenue. Like I would rather have the game and be at home and watch it than, and know it's going to have has a better chance of happening because we didn't have fans in the stands for the game. Yeah. I think they're just going to do a whole lot better of kind of coordinating the players off to a single entrance and keeping fans away from like, they're going to segregate it a whole lot more than they even have right now. Um, you know, I think there'll be extra security to make sure that nobody's able to get even close to the field. Like as long as they do those sorts of things, I don't think it'll affect their ability to have games. It might, you know, there might be an outbreak that happens because a fan brings it into the stadium and a bunch of other fans get it. That would then cause the big 12 to say, nope, no more fans for anyone the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I don't think like the way they have stuff set up, I have a hard time imagining that they're going to let a fan get within 50 feet of any sort of player or coach or any of the other staff. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't, I don't know that it would be a huge impact on the actual staff. It'd be more just looking at, okay, are there outbreaks being traced back to these games? And then you have like the social responsibility type thing. I mean, I don't think that the fans are what's going to really be affecting the teams themselves, but I mean, God, if we could just, we could just wear wear masks and have like an actual 50% capacity that allows people or even 25% that allows people to distance. I'd be all for it, but I would need, I would need a little bit of demonstrated success there before I would be all in on that. If I'm being honest. My concern with the distancing is not when you're sitting in the seats in the stadium. It's when everyone's walking in, everyone's walking two seats, everyone's going to the bathroom and getting drinks and food and have to like, I'm less concerned within the stand. Like I would be more concerned when there is the opportunity for mingling that people are going to maintain the distance necessary. I will say. Okay. Let's, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to talk about fans. I want to talk about the schedule. We have a schedule. (laughs) schedule. I got a, I got a wife with a toddler. I have a limited amount of time here, people. Okay. All right. Um, so let's, let's get this, um, let's, let's wrap on this on the schedule. Now that there's a new schedule out, looking at it, does it affect, if you had to, were asked to redo your big 12 rankings heading into this season (laughs) with this new schedule? How drastically does it change? Does this change anything for you? Do you would you still pick the same Big Twelve title game teams, or do you see anything in here that makes you go, "I might have to lean this way," or I've changed my opinion? I would double down on the fact that I don't think I know anything. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very noncommittal when we talked about that the first time, and I'm just gonna go ahead and stick with that. Like. I don't think, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm less of like a very, very analytical person. It's definitely because I'm less of like a very analytical person. Um, 
but I don't know. I think that you're still playing all the same big 12 teams. Um, obviously the non-conference is an impact there, but at the end of the season, a lot of it comes down to what you're doing during the conference. And so, I mean, is there going to be a little bit of shifting there just based off of, you know, people are playing a little bit earlier in the season, people are playing a little bit late in the season, people are going to be maybe firing on all cylinders that wouldn't have been or vice versa. But as far as I'm concerned, um, there's nothing, there's no team that I'm looking at like, oh my God, like they hit the jackpot with this schedule that's going to bump them up like three seeds or, oh my gosh, like they absolutely got screwed. Like, honestly, I'm not thrilled with like Iowa State not getting their non-conference anymore and the way that they have to open up the season now. Um, I maybe would be a little bit more on sticking them pretty solidly in the middle of the pack. Um, but beyond that, there's nothing where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like there's no way. Yeah, I was going to say the, the, the two teams that I thought probably were affected the most by this would have been Iowa State. I just... I think the way that everything is kind of set up now, they don't have any stretches where they can build a bunch of momentum, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think the early schedule is a little bit harder now than it was originally. And West Virginia is the only team, I'm sorry, Baylor is the other one, but West Virginia, so I, actually I would say West Virginia and Baylor are both going to be teams that have five straight games in the middle of the conference schedule. Um, and none of those games are going to be particularly like gimme games. You know, I mean, like they've got, They've got um, some potential issues with, with a lot of these games. Um, and they both have very strong opponents to end out the year. So it's not like they can, you know, go through that stretch and say, oh, man, as long as we survive this stretch, then we can, you know, look at the light at the end of the tunnel at the end of the year. Um, both of those teams, I think, are going to have some issues. Like, I thought West Virginia could potentially challenge for the top half of the conference. But looking at the schedule, I think it's going to be tougher for them this year. Um, and Baylor, like you know, the potential of them just falling off a cliff this year, I think ramped up really high because, you know, they have tough games coming out of both of their buys. Um, you know, they have a big gigantic meat of their schedule right smack dab in the middle there with absolutely no breaks. Um, so they've either got to be hoping that one of these games gets delayed to kind of help them out a little bit um, or just hoping that other people have all kinds of problems. You know, the only disappointment that I really had with the schedule releasing, I was kind of hoping that they would, uh, shift the Kansas-Texas game to the end of the year because I would absolutely love to see Kansas get an upset of Texas and, you know, be that be Tom Herman's last game as a Texas head coach. But, uh, you know, it's kind of still in the same general spot, so I'm still kind of holding out hope that they can surprise them and, uh, and, and it can lead to Tom Herman getting fired just like what happened to Charlie Strong. So I'm still holding on to that potential storyline because I really want to see it happen this year. Yeah, the Baylor point's really good. So they open with Kansas at home and at West Virginia. Uh, I had a week. Then they have a five-game stretch of Oklahoma State at Texas, TCU at Iowa State at Texas Tech. Like, Texas Tech at the end of that, like, if you put Texas Tech at the front of that, all right, Baylor should be Texas Tech. At the end of that run, Oklahoma State, Texas, TCU, Iowa State. They could go one and four in that, or zero oh and five, and it, like, I know... Baylor is still good, and they have Charlie Brewer, but they lost so much off the defense. They right. lost so many players. They lost everywhere. You have a whole new coaching staff. All these, like I just, that is that is a gnarly middle of season. And then they end with Kansas State at home, and then at Oklahoma. I, Baylor, like that is that is a tough 
that is a tough schedule for Baylor. Um, one game that intrigues me, like to me, OU is going to be in the Big 12 title game, and then I, it's kind of come down between Oklahoma State and Texas. Now, I realize that so far the Big 12 title game has been OU versus a team picked fourth, fifth, or sixth in the preseason poll. I don't know about that this year, but looking at Texas, so they get at Texas Tech, TCU at home, and then Oklahoma. It's a nice start. That's a nice setup for them. Uh, I had a week, Baylor at OSU, West Virginia. Okay. At Kansas, Iowa State, at Kansas State. Texas is going to have to go to Manhattan, Kansas on December 5th. I love that. Texas is going <laughs> to have to go to Manhattan, Kansas, which is already a tough place to play. In winter. Oh, yeah. It's going to be when great. It's cold at Kansas State. Can I ask for that to be a night game? <laughs> Just to see <laughs> oh, man. if Texas can handle the cold. It could be at 11 a.m. It's still going to freezing cold. That game, I look at and go, you know, and nope. And that's a loss. At the, the rest of the schedule, like standing out right now. Like based off of preseason expectations, that's going to be the marquee game for the Big Twelve this, you know, in that week. Mm-hmm. Assuming that there's no other team that's like super surprising, like that could very well be the game that the Big Twelve tries to put in primetime. Um, well, although I guess the, the Big the Big Twelve has been trying to feature their games earlier in the day, so maybe it gets sl- sl- slotted in the noon spot. Um, which may not be as big of an issue now as there's really only three Power Five conferences that are playing. I was going to say, they can put it where they Um, want. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean like... Big 12 after dark, baby. Big 12 after dark. Like that's going to be the big... That's going to be the showcase game, I think, for the Big 12 that week. And, you know, it's going to be interesting because like I I could honestly talk myself into a situation where, you know, if things don't go well for them against KU, then it could could snowball and then they lose a a game against Iowa State at home that they shouldn't have lost and then go on the road to Kansas State to finish out the season and go from, you know, the inside track to the Big 12 title game to completely out of everything and, and you know, getting rid of a head coach at that point. Like, it could go disastrous for Texas in a stretch that really shouldn't be that difficult for them. But because of the way that they play and the way that, you know, their defense has struggled at times, they're playing teams that have either a, a, a combination of a a – okay defense and what could be an explosive offense or a fairly good defense and an offense that's good enough to to keep up with whatever Texas tries to do. So those could be particularly tough matchups for them, especially if last year was any kind of indication of what we can expect this year. All right, we will continue to talk about the schedule in the weeks to come since we've now got a full month before the season starts. Um, I hear a crying baby if you don't, um, and I need to go help with that. So... Dad duty calls. Uh, Andy, where can everybody check out the work you do covering Kansas? Yeah, so you can uh, you can catch me over on Rock Chalk Talk where I write uh, to cover them. I have my my own podcast, the, the Rock Chalk Podcast. That's on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Jamie, where can everybody check out the work you do covering Iowa State? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at jsteyz, J-S-T-E-Y-Z, currently uh, talking a lot of WNBA. I also have another podcast through Cyclone Fanatic called Pro Sports Going Viral, covering all of the pro sports during the pandemic. Um, and yeah, now that we've got schedules and stuff, I'll actually have Iowa State content. Imagine that. If you don't follow us on Twitter, 1012podcast, T-E in the 12 word podcast. Follow us on the gram, 1012pod. Uh, we will be back again on Monday with our Kansas State preview. We will have Andy and Jimmy back soon <laughs> at some point because, you know, they're fun. 
Uh, so everybody enjoy the rest of your week and your weekend. We'll see you again next week. Podcast Network.